Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Fertility in Focus podcast. I'm your host, Christina Burns, doctor of Eastern medicine and holistic fertility expert. In these weekly sessions, I'll be bringing you the best of advice on nutrition, lifestyle, and natural medicine to optimize your fertility. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I wanted to touch on thyroid health today because I feel like all everybody who's going through fertility treatment is on thyroid medication, and it just seems so prevalent. It's interesting because, like, when I was looking at the statistics and the research, it was showing that only like forty-four to five percent of the American population has hypothyroidism. Hyperthyroidism, which is like an overactive thyroid, is like much less than that, hyper hypo, like low thyroid function is the most common. But, you know, I think the prevalence maybe in the general population isn't so, so high. Although in the elderly, especially women, it goes up to 20% of the population. And maybe just not everybody is being monitored. But fertility patients seem to have a higher incidence of of low thyroid, um, because so many of my patients are on medication, level thyroxine. And it might also be because the, the sort of range for fertility patients is different than that for someone else. Like with fertility, you want your TSH number between one and two, whereas everybody else seems to be okay if they're up to like 3.5. And so, you know, with fertility treatment, they tend to want your number being going down to between one and two to show like a well-functioning thyroid. They seem to have better success rates with women in that range. And I'm going to get into a little bit of like, you know, what's going on with the thyroid, what you can do about it. And, you know, like this association between low thyroid function and infertility or subfertility. And research has found that thyroid function plays a major role in the loss of fertility and contribute and contribute to like general fertility challenges, uh, more specific things like early pregnancy loss, reduced fertility, preterm delivery, preeclampsia, and ovulation or irregular ovulation. So, you know, those symptoms of PCOS where you have irregular periods and things that can also be thyroid dysfunction. And I actually see a lot of um, hypothyroidism in PCOS patients as a side note. So... You know, what I also found was that there seems to be an association, association between low thyroid function and um, low ovarian reserve, which is very interesting. And with luteal phase defects, like the like lower production of progesterone, hyperprolactinemia, so high prolactin, and just general hormonal imbalance. Um, studies have also confirmed associations between thyrotropin, which is the TSH, being higher. So when the TSH is higher, um, your thyroid function is lower because TSH is your thyroid stimulating hormone, which is, you know, calling for your thyroid to produce more. So if that number is high, it means it's pumping out more of the hormone to try to get your thyroid to work. Um, whereas a lower number means that it's, you know, you know, functioning at a at a more efficient uh, rate. And thyroid uh, autoimmunity, like so, autoimmune like thyroid issues like Hashimoto's tend to be associated with low ovarian reserve in subsets of women. Lower TSH 
levels are better for follicle recruitment. So, you know, in IVF, when they stimulate the eggs and they're trying to get as many as possible, the follicles to grow. If your TSH is between one or two, you tend to get a better result with that. If your TSH is higher, you tend to not be able to get as many eggs or recruit the follicles as well. Data also suggests that low low um, thyroid function is associated with decreased ovarian reserve during later reproductive age, meaning like over the age of 35. So why do so many people have it? This is this is the conundrum here. Hypothyroidism affects up to 5% of the general population with a further estimated 5% being undiagnosed. Over 99% of affected patients suffer from primary hypothyroidism. Worldwide, environmental iodine deficiency is the most common cause of all thyroid disorders, including hypothyroidism. But in areas of iodine sufficiency, like in areas where, you know, people are getting enough iodine, like they're eating seaweed or iodized salt, for example, Hashimoto's disease, which is the chronic autoimmune inflammation of the thyroid, which I, what I was just mentioning, is the most common cause of thyroid failure. Other causes could be toxic exposure, certain medications, also being postpartum uh, can affect the thyroid, being pregnant can affect the thyroid. I think the IVF medications affect the thyroid because I see the thyroid fluctuate more when somebody is going through a cycle, like a uh, like a stimulation cycle or a transfer cycle. I surmise it's maybe more the estrogen, but could be the progesterone also. And really with thyroid function, anything that affects liver function will affect the thyroid numbers because the liver is responsible for converting your active, your inactive thyroid hormone T4 into T3, which is your active thyroid hormone. And so if your liver is kind of bunged up with like overuse of medications, alcohol, drugs, or even stress, by the way, you don't know this maybe, but stress affects your liver function big time, like a lot. Another thing that affects your liver function is uh, blood sugar imbalances. Um, Obviously, our diet and consumption of alcohol will affect it. Viruses can affect it, any kind of inflammation. You know, when we're talking about autoimmune thyroiditis, um, we have to think a lot about the immune system and inflammation. And, you know, you, you just hear about this constantly, and I talk about it a lot on my podcast, how Uh, inflammation is just underlying or at least exacerbating so many issues with fertility. So if hypothyroidism is associated with low ovarian reserve, which makes IVF not as, you know, helpful or like it makes it harder to succeed with IVF, but then we're pounding the body with medications that are causing more inflammation and then it's making the results kind of worse, it, it begs to differ like, hmm, Maybe there's another way to do this. Um, you know, some of my patients, depending on their cases with low ovarian reserve, I sometimes am not recommending IVF because I just don't see the results be that good, you know, and, and I don't see them have necessarily a ton of success with IVF, you know, or it being faster to conceive with IVF versus just trying naturally because you just don't get that many eggs. What, what you do get with IVF is more transparency, like what's happening with your eggs. Are they fertilizing? Are they growing? Um, is the embryo normal? That kind of thing. But if, if you know, you're not having success with it and you have low ovarian reserve and a low thyroid function, you might be better off trying naturally and definitely integrating you know, some of the strengths of 
natural medicine. Um, and either way, you're going to be better off integrating the strengths of natural medicine. Like I, I rarely ever seen a case where I wouldn't recommend it because we know that the success rates of IVF are really low and they're much lower in certain populations, like those with ovarian reserve, a low ovarian reserve, for example. And, you know, the thyroid can be affected by the cycles, as I mentioned. So long story short, hypothyroidism is, can be a challenge for fertility. And even if you're trying naturally, hypothyroidism can be a challenge because uh, hypothyroidism is usually associated with lower body temperature and an issue with producing progesterone sometimes. And so that's why, you know, some people are like, oh, I'll just supplement with progesterone in my luteal phase, like the phase after ovulation. And I'm like, okay, but that, is that addressing the underlying issue? Because is it, is it your thyroid? Is your thyroid the issue? Because if it's your thyroid, we should probably address that. And, you know, if it's your immune system attacking your thyroid, then we have to address inflammation and the functioning of your immune system. Um, if it's your diet, we need to address that. If it's stress levels, ex uh, exposure to toxins, we need to address that. So as always, I'm, I'm just, you know, my point is like, don't ignore that there is a root to this issue um, just because you're so, so, you know, rushing to the finish line. And I understand the urgency. Trust me, I do. But, you know, the point is to get you, you know, to be healthy and fertile and pregnant so that you don't run into any more issues down the line. Ladies, I have worked for years to put together a guidebook for this crazy fertility journey. It's called the Ultimate Fertility Guidebook. It contains all of my secrets, my hacks, everything to do with herbs, supplements, how to integrate acupuncture into your fertility treatment, how to eat for your cycle, how to eat for IVF, basically everything natural fertility and IVF, how to understand your hormones, how your body works, what mindfulness practices to do, how to exercise, everything is contained within these 300 pages and it is now available for sale on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart, and all the other online outlets and in stores. Another interesting thing is with low thyroid function, uh, you tend to have a lot of the time higher cholesterol levels. Your body just kind of slows down processing everything um, when you have low thyroid function. So you want to, to get that functioning more optimally so you don't get super tired, super constipated, high cholesterol, and then end up on a medication for that, um, you know, gain a lot of weight, that kind of thing. And so here are some strategies. One of my favorite, favorite things to treat thyroid function is ashwagandha, uh, also known as withania somnifera. Studies have been conducted to investigate the effects of this herb on thyroid and liver function. And mice given high doses of the root extract showed significant increases in serum levels of T3 and T4. Furthermore, the extract was shown to reduce hepatic lipid peroxidation significantly, significantly, which is basically improving liver function while increasing the activity of superoxide, dismutase, and catalase. These results indicate that ashwagandha stimulates both thyroid and hepatic antioxidant activity. So um, it helps your liver metabolize things. It helps your liver convert thyroid hormones. It helps your thyroid actually work better. And I will tell you, as someone with like borderline um, hypothyroid, that when I take ashwagandha, I shrink. Like it's amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, my sleep is better. My I get thin. 
Um, I lose fluid weight. Like I, I'm just such a huge fan of it. And it's just so good for stress. Like amazing, amazing for stress. It's good for fertility too. Kelp is basically seaweed therapy and, um, it's recommended at five grams per day. That seems to relieve many of the symptoms of iodine remineralization and strengthens the thyroid gland. Clinically, it's very useful and TSH may respond after two to four months with the five gram per day dosage. It is also helpful in patients with thyroidectomies and, and as an so thyroidectomy is when you take out the thyroid and adjunctive treatment with thyroid hormone replacement. Like so if you're taking levothyroxine, you can still take kelp. It contains weak hormone activity and building blocks for uh, tyrosine and T3 and T4. Building blocks are always good because they help your body just like do it on its own. They give you the precursors for what you need for your body to do it. That's why I love natural medicine so much is that it works synergistically with your body and still asks your body to do some of the work and makes it practice and helps it get there more easily as opposed to just putting something in and taking out the need for your body to work for it and potentially then leading to your body not producing any more hormone because it just didn't need to for so long. In, from a clinical nutrition standpoint, tyrosine, the amino acid, attaches to iodine atoms to form active thyroid hormones. Low plasma tyrosine levels have been associated with hypothyroidism, low blood pressure, low body temperature, and restless leg syndrome. That's another thing that I find so interesting, these correlations. Restless leg sy- syndrome can be associated with hypothyroidism and sleep issues big time. So if you don't sleep that well, you have restless leg, you're having fertility issues, your body temperature is low, maybe it's your thyroid. Iodine uh, dosage is anywhere between 150 mcg to 50 mg daily. I, I like it better in the kelp because it's more bioavailable. Selenium. I know uh, actually a pediatrician that loves prescribing this to his, uh, like the moms that he sees with their kids because when they're having fertility issues, because he talks to the whole family about their stuff. And he says he has great success prescribing selenium. And this trace mineral has been shown to have strong effects on peripheral thyroid function because it is the cofactor for hepatic 5 deodinase. Selenium has been found to influence metabolism of thyroid hormones positively. In a randomized uh, clinical trial of 24 critically ill patients, supplementation of 500 mcg of sodium selenite, which is um, selenium, for one week, followed by 500 mcg daily for two weeks and 100 mcg for a week uh, for week three, found that it made T3 levels restore to normal function. So selenium supplementation has also been shown to decrease thyroid peroxidase levels in Hashimoto's disease. Um, Because people are like, oh, well, what do I do if I have Hashimoto's? That's my immune system attacking it. So you can still do these strategies. Like you can eat kelp or like sprinkle it on your food. You can supplement with selenium. And then you really want to be taking care of inflammation in your diet. Like I recommend gluten for no one who has thyroid issues. I don't recommend dairy either. I definitely don't recommend sugar. I really recommend you take care of your stress levels. From a yogic perspective, I used to teach yoga workshops. And the idea was that the throat chakra where the thyroid sits is like your communication, your feeling of being heard. How many women don't feel like they're being heard? Like I feel like most. (laughs) And so, you know, if we're looking at it more from like a psycho-spiritual perspective, like 
you know, your thyroid is your expression and your, you know, you exerting boundaries and asserting yourself and what have you and, and, and feeling like you're heard. And, and, you know, if that's out of, you know, if, if you feel like you believe in that stuff and you feel like this could be something that could be, you know, worked on, then I suggest you, you know, doing that personal development to, to feel like you are, speaking up for yourself in a constructive way, not like in an aggressive way, but just so that, you know, you, you're, you're letting people know what you need and and you're getting that. So we treat the thyroid from the nutritional perspective, reducing inflammation from clinical nutrition, getting the right things in your diet from wonderful things like seaweed and ashwagandha that can help us by managing stress levels and by choosing the proper fertility treatment or approach to getting pregnant that works for your unique physiology. All right, until next time. I'm really happy you've tuned in and joined the community, and I'm so excited to bring you more helpful content with each episode. In order to make this podcast as helpful as possible, I wanna hear your input on what questions you need answered to get you feeling empowered on your fertility journey. You can DM me on Instagram at at Naturna underscore life or at naturally CB to share your most important fertility related questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please follow and share with friends. My mission is to help as many women and couples as possible. And for that, I need your help. Yours as always in love and light, Dr. Christina.